I have delayed long enough. Are you ready? Aye, aye, Captain. I can't hear you. Aye, aye, Captain. Oh. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the Survivor podcast that hunts you down in the middle of the woods, corners you, and stabs you over and over again with a knife. I'm your host, Stephen, <laughs> with my co-host as always, Jared. Jared, how you doing? I loved watching you try to make it through that with a straight face. <laughs> you're, you're, too, you're too pleasant and polite of a lad to even lean into that bit for ten seconds. I know, but... I had to. I use I use what is given to me. So, Stephen. Yes. I have friends that are single women that are on the dating apps, and sometimes they send me things because I I find them funny, and they find them funny to share them with a straight guy who has no insight into their world except for the lesbian TikToks I see. <laughs> okay. So my friend just sent me this, sent from a guy named Maddie. Okay. Uh, Maddie, if you're out there. Sup, Maddie? Be better. <laughs> this is what he just sent her. Hey, exclamation point, you have an amazing corn-fed vigor with a monkey having hands in front of the eyes. May I dare to ask if I have odds to be a friend at least if I'm not your type? Thanks. Now, we don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> Thanks, John. Corn-fed vigor? Corn yeah, that, uh, that's a phrase that I have not heard I'm assuming as a compliment, I or just at all. I think it's intended to be a compliment, but yeah. I can't, I'm not even entirely sure. That's, wow. All right. Just for everyone out there, when you're talking to someone that you are interested in romantically, sexually, whatever, on a dating app or in real life, maybe just talk to them like a human being. That's the idea, is yeah. that these are humans... Uh-huh. And you want to treat them with respect and uh, not scare them away immediately with what your first words are. I am not a love guru, um, and this is not that kind of podcast. And most of human entertainment for as long, since we've been writing, you know, on the sides of caves has been about trying to figure out what the other, what, what someone you're interested in wants. Uh -huh. That being said, I can tell you what not to do from that one prompt, and okay. it's all of it. Okay, good. Do, don't do any of that. Don't do that. That's that's not the move. Sorry, dude. I literally got that text as we were turning on our microphones, and I was like, yeah, I, got, I gotta, I gotta. Is there a location? Like, is this Iowa? Does he think this oh, is a compliment? My brother in Christ, this is New York City. Oh, no. There isn't any corn there. No. No. Uh, well, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. You failed. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know where to go from that no i mean it's 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 uh there's no segue there there's nothing you can say of that to make that okay we can just laugh yeah <laughs> she said that might be my friend said that might be her 12th reason all right cool 13th uh, reason 13th reason of what oh do you not know the, the show thir uh or maybe it's a movie 
13th reason why or 13 reasons why? Uh, give me the briefest of explanations. TLDR, a girl writes, a girl commits suicide and writes a note about the 13 reasons why she killed herself. Oh and it God. like goes through them in the movie slash TV show. It was very controversial. Oh, okay. Yeah, I vaguely remember hearing about this, but still. Like eight years ago. I don't know that I like that premise. Okay. I don't either. Cool. Uh, <laughs> this is so unhinged. <laughs> I went from podcast poison to podcast arsenic. Yeah. I'm, which is also poison, but much worse. I may have to do some research. I know along the internet, that's a thing that you can't say sometimes. I mean, we're an explicit podcast. Thank you for listening to our explicit podcast. So we're probably okay. And we're also talking about the literal synopsis of a show that you can watch on Netflix right now. Yeah. Eh. Well, if you're sticking around for this, don't harm yourself, please. Oh, yes. No, absolutely. Like, don't... Like, there's... Uh, I saw uh, somebody post, like, you know, I'm, I, I'm so depressed I can't brush my teeth or something like that in, like, a TikTok. And then it was like... People get so depressed they can't brush their teeth, and it's like, yeah, people get so depressed that they end it. If you're if you're seeing signs of going in that direction, please tell someone or get help. Yeah, I'm gonna keep digging us in this serious hole. Like I have been around people who have been at their lowest of lows, who have wanted to do something actionable, and if you or anyone around you is feeling that, get help, even if they don't think that that is the best option for them please get help. You are needed in someone's life, whether you think so or not. Correct. I don't have a joke here. There shouldn't be a joke here. There's no joke. Bumper. All right. So um, on this day, so this episode came out, uh, and this was another one with a full week between it, as all of them will be from here on out. Uh, came out on February 15th of 2001. So we're in the middle of February. We're just past Valentine's Day. Um, there's only a couple of interesting things, one of which probably wasn't well known, but I do find just kind of interesting. American submarine USS Greenville accidentally strikes and sinks the Ehimi Maru, a Japanese training vessel operated by the Uwajima Fishery High School. Oh my God. Nine of the crew were killed, including four high school students. Oh my god. In February of 2001, we, had, we attacked a high school's fishing boat in Japan. Holy hell. I've never heard of this. No, it probably wasn't widely reported on for, I mean, not good reason, but for PR reasons. Yeah, that makes sense. Usually we just kill teenagers, like, on purpose with the U.S. military. But here we um, are. Here we are. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic got married at 41. He was 41 years old in 2001, and he is 20 years later still out there doing it. Is that Weird Al movie out? Oh, I don't know. I want to see it. It's Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al, so I need it. <laughs> I need it in my life. I love this Daniel Radcliffe twist where he's just doing the weirdest movies now that he's, you know, made it for life. <laughs> I need to see Swiss Army Man. I've, I haven't seen that. It looks right up my alley of stupid. You've seen Guns Akimbo. It is weird and visceral. The the one where he has like guns on his hands. Bolted to his hands. Yeah, okay. Um, and then, uh, I don't know this song, but Ain't Nothing About You was released by Brooks and Dunn in this week. Okay, it's a country it, song. Yeah, it's a country song. Brooks and Dunn is, is pretty good, actually, I think. Right? 
I yes, I mean I okay. Here's my backstory with country music. There is a country music festival in my hometown, so I cannot escape from country music for years and years and years. And then I get out and I practically never listen to country music ever again. That's fair. Even I, even at the time, I was pretty anti country music. I appreciate some of the the I hate to say classics, but the. The big names around that time. No, you mean like folk. Like, I love folk and bluegrass and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Pop country. I would rather stick my head into a wood chipper (laughs) than listen to pop country. There is... Yes. (laughs) Yes is the answer. There is a brand of country that is storytelling. It's usually narrative driven. The, The lyrics are interesting and it the melody takes a back seat but it's still important the dolly partons the bob mm-hmm. dylan's yeah correct i i enjoy that i enjoy a little bit of the stadium country music where it's the kenny chesney's oh the, we, this is the, where our paths diverge they're catchy and they're meant to be catchy but it is the lyrics are not as provocative or well thought out it's to get you to raise your beer and to scream out at the top of your lungs and that's it i know it's like pro-war propaganda but the we'll stick a boot in your ass it's the american way i that one that song does get me because it is nostalgic oh no 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 that is the turn the 2001 turn where it starts going super nationalist patriotic that's where i kind of peter out other than Rascal Flatts, I think Rascal Flatts had a good act that didn't make a whole lot of sense for country music. That's fair. But um, man, those harmonies. Mm. <laughs> and the number one song on the charts at this time was, I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. Oh my God. I am four eels. You're four eels? I didn't mean to make your daughter cry. I am just four fish and not a guy. You had this planned out. You were waiting for I this. didn't, actually. I just <laughs> remembered that that was a really good meme. <laughs> ah, we Anytime we record two back-to-back, the second one is unhinged. <laughs> yeah. We, Jared and I watched this episode together, and we're, we're about to head out to New York, so we wanted to get this one recorded. Man, we are so out of it. Yeah, good luck editing, Yeah, my here friend. we go. All right, so this episode... This episode. This episode is titled The Killing Fields. Season 2, episode 4. Yeah, and we're about to get into a lot of murdery shit. (laughs) But it starts off right away with Tina and Keith wanting to go fishing. They are the first ones up in the morning. They want to get in the boat and start fishing, get food on the table for everyone, really trying to do a service to everyone. As they're setting up, as they're putting things into the boat... Jerry wakes up, or no, 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 I'm sorry. They're getting all the supplies ready. Jerry wakes up, takes the boat, brings it to the water, and starts packing her own shit, knowing full well that they're about to go fishing. Jerry needs like 10% more chill. (laughs) I really like Jerry, as I've talked about, but Jerry needs like 10% more chill. Why are you stealing the boat? You've already... She acknowledges that she dug herself in a hole after last tribal Mm -hmm. and then immediately starts stealing boats. Jerry thinks that this is a foregone conclusion and uh, at this point I'm going to do whatever I want and you can't stop me. Nana nana boo boo. I think that's part of it. I steal your boat. 
I think part of it is Jerry feels very vulnerable and in the tribe now that she's put herself out there with mm-hmm. that comment that we talked about last episode of like the yeah I have really close relations with relationships with Colby Amber uh, and Mitchell and so she's trying to be really controlling she doesn't want Keith and Tina alone she doesn't want Colby going off with either of Tina or Keith and a lot of this behavior in life but also in Survivor can have opposite effects it can draw those people together and push your allies into their arms. Now, I can't tell. Does this remind me of my middle school days or my theater college days? I think both are applicable for weirdly the same reasons. Uh, (laughs) Everyone that goes to theater school had the exact same experience. Theater schools are so toxic, man. They are. They're They're so toxic. They're bad. They're bad for you. Maybe don't do it. But also, who am I to say don't follow your dreams? Follow your... Like, just theater professors be better um (laughs) fair and stop creating such toxic environments but yeah so so her and i think mitchell take the boat out instead and amber amber's in the boat oh right okay yep so they're in the boat so keith and tina just decide well i guess we're just gonna like go fish on some logs it does it's weird because it does the opposite effect like rather than her being controlling going and doing that like she's she doesn't do anything to separate keith and tina Mm -hmm. if she like got in the boat with them i'd understand it a little bit more yeah that's a little more strategy driven of oh i don't want you to be like hey let's find every which way to get uh jerry out but no she's trying to draw divisions in the tribe trying to make it very clear and obvious where you stand Oh, I didn't, I didn't put that together. That's a good point. Yeah, literally doing it to, to keep herself on a pedestal on yeah. top. I take this boat because I get I deserve this boat. I think she's trying to copy the rich formula without adapting it to her tribe and season. Um, we see her say something a little bit later um, where she says to Colby... It's not like you're making a deal with the devil or anything. <laughs> and that was a that's a pretty specific callback to season one. Yeah. I don't think she is just on the basis that she isn't the provider. She isn't being sneaky. Well, yeah, sneaky's kind of gone out the window. Sneaky's here. gone out the window, but she's trying to replicate by keeping an alliance. Like she immediately tries to start an alliance of four and like you know, she sees Colby as the Kelly and is trying to like keep him close enough. And maybe I'm maybe I'm overreading into that comment, sure. but I just think that's interesting. This is where our emails have been hinted at that Jerry is one of the OG villains in mm. Survivor, and really makes you feel that. Good. I like it. I like a good villain. But weirdly, it looks like Tina and Keith have more luck in their fishing because they catch a fish. It does not show the boat team catching a fish. Because there's a very graphic fish murder shot where Keith stabs a fish right behind the gills, which is the thing to do. I know that like you, if you want that fish not to suffer, you do it right there. But it didn't need to be shown. No, but they, they put it with a really ominous line about basically like we're going to take her down and then pff, pff, stab, stab the fish. 
There's a lot of animal killing in this episode. Oh, animal killing in this episode. Oh, there is one thing I wanted to comment about Keith and Tina's conversation. Mm-hmm. Keith and Tina are correct in their assessment of the tribe. And yet Keith is still a dick about it. Yeah. Um, and this is just why I, I don't like Keith. I mean, there's a, like he shows his hand over and over again. He is belittling Jerry. He feels insecure. He's... He, I mean, he belittles all the people on the tribe, too. But, like, his most of it's aimed at Jerry right now. And he's like, I didn't... He talks... He gets really small and petty. Like, talking about, like, um, later in the episode, he's like, I don't even care if I win. I just want to make sure she loses. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, a bit of a piss baby attitude. Like, you still have a very... You're like, you still have a chance to win. Why are you throwing that away just to sabotage somebody else? And he says one comment that just... It really gets under my skin... The, I didn't come here to be outplayed by a 22-year-old wannabe actress bartender. <laughs> now, I am biased. Steven and I are in theater. Sure. If you are, if, any, if you're in the performing arts and you're doing it, you're not aspiring. You yeah. Are, you are an actor. I actually did have that same thought in this episode that because of the, uh, the subtitle that she's given as ex- aspiring actress every single time. It like, bugs me so much. Yeah. If you're doing anything or you even are showing up to auditions, you're an actor. That's, that's your job. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to be Tom Hanks to be a working actor. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, that, that always drives me insane. And like, that's a whole side <laughs> tangent, but it drives it. Like Keith does not respect the people around him. Yeah. Two thoughts. One, the it's weird that the dynamic is the same between Keith and Jerry because they're both essentially doing the same thing, being petty, creating divisions, and making this a you versus me thing. Yeah, Ogacor's a mess, and it's all because of their feud. But the way you look at it is different, based just solely based on who they are. And I think editing has something to do with that too, is you look at a 20-something woman doing it, and it's a villain, but you look at this older guy doing it, and I also, I don't picture him as a villain, but I picture him as, like, this petty, annoying old guy. It's just interesting. I don't have an answer for this. Just a weird thought in my brain. It's kind of the power of the default. So, like, someone that looks and acts like Keith is the default i.e like i think i've talked about this before uh you know, like the default person who should be in charge like mm-hmm. we talked about in season one where like greg became the leader because he's the charismatic white guy mm-hmm. and everyone's like greg should be in charge and greg's like i don't want to be in charge but i guess i have to be in charge <laughs> it's like keith thinks he should be in charge because he's always in charge yeah because that's the role he takes being white man chef being a white man chef also, chefs have huge egos. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. Believe me. I have worked in a kitchen, and <laughs> I hated it so much. I'm not saying every chef has a huge ego, but by oh. by trade, you, you like it's one of those trades where like you usually have a huge ego to run a kitchen. That's not even true. I didn't work in a kitchen. I worked as a server. So oh, yeah. I was not in there enough, and I still hated it. And it's just kind of, you know, since, he's the, since he sees himself as like the default, he's like, I should be the leader. That's who I am. How dare she? Yeah. <laughs> but she's doing a better job of it. Sure. Well, kind of. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Two, my other thought in this that is very short, and I just had to say it because you reminded me of it. 
Australia has funny slang. I mm. truly enjoy Australian slang. There's so many good ones, but because I've worked with a lot of people from different countries, my favorite slang that I learned over the course of this is from Australia, where she said, to my face and to everyone's face, we didn't come here to fuck spiders. I'm sorry? Yes. That is legitimate Australian slang that I thought was not, or like, there are some times where you're from a different place and you can pull people's strings and like, yeah. oh, no, no, I all of the people from Minnesota talk like that. But this is documented in a, a video game that I played and it, it showed up. It was said clear as day with the subtitle. And I was like, oh, my God, it is true. Man, I love how vulgar Australia is. They didn't count me out of fuck spiders. <laughs> Oh, that was man. terrible. That was terrible. It's oh, great accents, even. Thank Zero you. Out of ten, or uh, 10 out of 10. No notes. Thank you. I didn't take that in uh, dialects class. Australian. My bad. Okay, we've been talking about this too long. Let's keep moving. Yes. Okay, core. Uh, we flash. We start the prep for the reward challenge. And they're told to build a chicken coop. They're going to play for chickens. They play for chickens in first season. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a shock to anyone. Uh,. Kimmy wants to win despite being a vegetarian. And they're going to play this vegetarian card as much as they can. Yeah, and this is one this is one of those areas where I want like my gut is like, wow, are they editing Kimmy wrong? But I don't think they are because her tribe seems really agitated by it, especially in the preview for the next episode we get, the end mm-hmm. of this episode. Yeah, that's a strongly held moral conviction, Kimmy, and you know, you should hold to that. You can't make your tribe hold to that. And you can't throw a fit when they're excited to eat the chickens. Like, they don't believe the same thing as you, and you can't try to force it down their throat. But here I thought it was a step in the right direction, that you want your team to win, because you want your team to have this comfort. Yes. But we lose that later. Um, Yeah, once we'll get get to that when we get past the challenge. And then Scoopin talks about, I don't know that we want to win this chickens, because if we win the chickens, then I become less valuable. So we... We didn't start the episode with a scooping, creepy food monologue. We just got one ten minutes into the episode instead. And we get it multiple times during this episode. It's, why, is, why are all of his confessionals, is he whispering into the camera? The first time I gave him, the, I was like, okay, well, they recorded him on the boat, whatever, he's fishing. But this is now three episodes in a row where he's like doing this weird ASMR voice thing into the camera. He doesn't know how to talk to people, Jared. It is, it is insane. He reminds me of Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> He's just an, an, an android out there. Yeah. He, he is GameBot. No, because he's not even like... He's MurderBot. He's MurderBot. MurderBot 3000. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, have you seen Futurama? Yeah, like we, have to keep, we have to throw all of our soldiers at them because their kill count only goes so high. Oh, there's that one. Before they shut down. <laughs> I was thinking more of the... Uh, What's his name? There's there's a robot with like big eye that is the stabbing robot. Oh yeah, oh that's scooping. It is scooping. <laughs> I'm gonna stab ya. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, done with that. Uh, it's our first slide puzzle. It's not a very good one. It's our first slide puzzle. It's eight pieces. Jared, it's a slide puzzle. It is a slide puzzle. Yes, they needed something else to this challenge but it's a it's a big ass slide puzzle 
Uh, it each piece requires multiple people to move around. Mm-hmm. I was surprised at, as to how well the pieces moved. Usually, yeah. when you get anything that big, it's gonna like jam and get caught. But no, it it seemed to move very well. And this is also edited pretty badly. It's hard to tell who's ahead the whole time or who's like figuring it out. The only real shot we get of anyone figuring out is Kimmy. Yeah. Like yelling at her tribe, like not yelling at like angrily, but yelling like, oh, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And like just yelling answers at people. Yeah, Kimmy takes charge right at the end and really navigates her team to victory on this one. Now, here's a question. Yes, answer. There are rewards on a map, Stephen. (laughs) Yes, sorry, we didn't explain that. Keep going. So so, yeah, uh, their reward is on, like the slide puzzle is a map. Mm Mm-hmm. And it leads them to their reward of chickens. Sure. Why didn't the map just lead them to some... Like, why wasn't that, like, the second leg of the challenge? Solve the slide puzzle, follow the map, and then you win. So that we had more than just an eight-piece slide puzzle for this reward. I get the feeling that it was supposed to be more than that. And then they had to cut it down for whatever reason. Because there really is no point for their the slide puzzle to be just a map. Yeah. And then, boom, challenge is done. And then the other part, which you saw me get visibly upset, was the why did they have them build a coop (laughs) pre-challenge if they didn't need it? They They go to the chicken area, they get the chickens, and they don't use the coop. They didn't even bring the coop with them. No. It's just for them when they get back. So the team that didn't win just has a coop. As a reminder of their failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. And the editing around them getting the chickens is also weird. Yeah. Where, like, it's fine. Like, they're putting in the boxes. Kimmy freaks out. Like, don't break its wing. Don't is... hurt it. <sighs> Kimmy, you, you have, you yeah. have to chill. <laughs> you have to chill about this. Oh. Um, we, we, we ain't gonna chill. I know. And then, like... There's just like a weird cutaway of Alicia being happy and then like walking with the chickens and then Elizabeth cheerleading and then it just hard cuts to commercial <laughs> in a way that felt like they left in extra footage they forgot was there yeah, or something. Possibly. Hey, we got we gotta make that exact timing. <laughs> like we put in some garbage time. <laughs> they lost us they lost a sponsor and lost one commercial, so like, ah crap, we gotta throw in one more minute of footage. Uh put that in. Okay. Where? I don't know. Scoopin is terrifying. That's the next thing. That's now the we next get thing. the full on Scoopin being like, I will. Ha- I did the math. They have one chicken for every two days. They do not need me. When they have the food till the merge, they will get rid of me, it seems. Oh. He was fully prepared to just wake up first thing in the morning and kill a chicken on his own. How many shots do we get of Scoopin just like on the perimeter of the camp holding a knife? Too many. The answer is too many. <laughs> Way too many! I, before, like, it's joking, and you're like, okay, this person has a weird affection to weapons and, like, needs to be the provider. This is this the time where you're like, this may actually be a problem, and I, I'm a little concerned for everyone's safety. So, in the first two, maybe even in the third episode... If I hadn't known about the the child porn thing, <laughs> I might have given him, like, you know, I might have had a reactions to him similar to Greg, where I'm like, oh, this guy's really weird. What is he doing? Mm-hmm. But, like, oh, he's kind of, like, like, 
like sullen about it being weird rather than Greg was like outbursts of energy. This episode, I would have had the exact same reaction because this like, it, <laughs> if I was on his tribe, I would be worried he was going to stab me in my sleep. Yeah. Or kill, I actually wasn't, I was wondering if he was going to kill the chickens, make the reward useless so that they had to keep him around. I, f I fully support that thought because he, the way it sets it up, like it makes it look like he might just do it on his own to be useful. And people have to like stop him. Yeah. They're like, no, no, we need to talk about it as a tribe. It's that whole segment made me uneasy. Mm -hmm. I was probably visually uncomfortable because he, just, he, he makes me visually visibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. Less of scooping, please. The fire is closing in. Oh, Hey, Steven. Yeah. Remember podcast episode one? Yes, Jared. When I was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't light giant towers of shit on fire uh -huh. in the Australian outback. Are you feeling a little vindicated? Feeling here? a little vindicated. <laughs> there is a wildfire closing in. It's showing footage. What looks like the same footage over and over again yeah. of a tree line. And it, it is very interesting looking. Like you see a line of fire just kind of working its way through the Australian outback. It's not blazing high. No. It's a very low, continuous fire. It's low, it's slow moving, but you're still concerned for these people's safety. If a fire moves toward you, yes, they have that river there, but what do they do? They just sit in the water and wait for it to go past them? It could jump the river. Yeah, it could um, jump the river. It also, they mentioned this a couple times in the episode, but it will bring displaced wildlife towards them. Yes, Yes, it could, and it does. Which is to the benefit of Kucha, but if it wasn't a pig, if it was, <laughs> you know... Uh, it's later in the episode, but let's just talk about it. Sure. It pushes a pig toward the the Kucha tribe, and it's it's a youngling pig. It yeah. looks like it's maybe a year old, not too, not too big. It's... Not a pig as you would necessarily think of a, a farm animal pig. It's it's one of the furry ones. It's got lots of hair. It's it's pretty small and pretty agile too. Yeah. It didn't look like much of a physical threat, but still, I guarantee it probably could have... It's a cornered animal. It could have done some damage. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just kind of hanging out and... Who was it? Who says... Oh, there's a pig over there. I think it was Elizabeth. It might have been Elizabeth, and I think... And then I think Alicia sees it, too. Or no, sorry, no, it was... It, it was, was Nick. Nick. It was Nick, Nick and Elizabeth. Yep. yep, Nick and Elizabeth are down at the shoreline, and they say, oh, there's a pig. And Michael immediately grabs the knife. Not his spear. spear. Nope. It's, I wonder if he dis disassembled the spear, because it, it does look like the knife that... Yeah, I think they had to maybe use the knife for the for chicken. Fish. Or, or for chicken, the fish. that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And just sprints after this thing corners it with the help of Nick eventually and just full on Friday the 13th style just starts stabbing this thing it doesn't do scooping any more favors to make me not think he's a serial killer no he he enjoys it way too much far too much um like he it, sure, it's very practical for the tribe. Uh, that that pig's full of nutrition. Uh -huh. Great. 
don't you don't have to take so much enjoyment in the killing and the butchering. Yeah. I've said before, you know, if, if any of the contestants on these seasons I talk about want to come on our podcast and dispute me, great. Scooping, that invite is not valid. <laughs> I, Some exceptions apply. Yeah. No, we're not we're not gonna do that. Although I I have thought about we should really be reaching out to these people and maybe I'll have that be your job. Like at the start of each season, we should reach out to to the cast. No, I'm sure they get that stuff all the time. No, because if you look at their social media accounts, then you'll know where they finish because most of them put them. Oh on yeah. There. Okay, never mind. I will do that. I will reach out. Everyone just kind of stumbles upon this and is like, "This is a murder scene." Everyone feels real uncomfortable. And Kimmy is not even around for this. Thank God. Thank God. Because that would have been a mental breakdown that I was not prepared for. Nope. They probably told her to stay away, yeah. too. Kimmy, and then, and then he hangs that. this pig up, which is, I think, how you do it. Um, you know, we've all seen, like, Rocky punching the pig mm-hmm. and all that. You got to let blood drain or whatever. Yep. And when he hangs out near the river, I'm like, how's he going to stop, like, another wild animal from, like, coming over and eating it? And he must have heard me. <laughs> because then he breaks down the body into a bunch of different chunks and hangs it around their camp. <laughs> yes, I will. I am going to defend this one. It's it's butchering. It's, it is. It's it's putting it in cuts that are usable that yes. are you can cook. It just it, it they look like he's put them up like Christmas decorations with the way that he situated them around camp. Like, he didn't, like, pick an area that, like, ah, this is the butchery area. He's like, ah, yes, and we'll hang this part near the tent, and then we'll hang this part over by the fire. Jared, did you ever, did you ever hunt? Uh, no. Okay. I I, wanted to. Did you really? I, I like bow and arrows a lot. Okay. I I was gun safety trained. I, I have hunted, I mean, my family is, like, literal middle of nowhere, Mm. 300 people, towns, uh, lots of tree lines and farms where there's just deer running around. Uh, I have hunted. I have uh, killed deer. I am weirdly a good shot. I don't know if that's the video games that helped me with that, but I am a good shot with a gun. Uh, I have not I'm touched. Concerned. I have not touched a gun since then. It, I last went hunting. I was probably fifteen, so it, it's been about fifteen years. Yeah. You have to the the way he hung up the the pig and the pig's body is the way that you do it, and the butchering techniques were correct. However, it was weirdly too graphic for TV. I don't know why they showed that part. Yeah, I, don't, I guess maybe I'm more. I should be keying in more on how much how weird it was that Scoopin was enjoying it so much. Oh no no that don't get me wrong that that was concerning but that is interesting information I, I knew he had to hang things up but i didn't realize he knew so much about that or that that's the way it was done yeah i don't want to know more about that <laughs> <laughs> moving on moving on uh at ogakor tina has nothing to lose so trying to pull in colby i thought this was very foolish at the time okay tell, tell me more about that um and i okay so i thought colby was the wrong person to go after who, who would you rather go after? Well, I don't know anything about Amber, so maybe her, but I can't say because the show... Ref- they, we have now had three episodes in a row of Ogakor voting somebody out, uh-huh. and I've heard like six words out of Amber's mouth. That is true. I, 
either the editors did her dirty or she is the least interesting person on the face of this planet. <laughs> um, so maybe her, but I have no way of knowing. Um, I, I, I feel like there was an angle to go to Mitchell and be like, dude, she's playing you. But I'm wrong. Like yeah. my read on that in the moment was wrong. Yeah. I thought Colby would not be so, uh, so willing yeah, Colby, Colby jumps in on that, and as we'll see later in the vote, it Colby was the correct target to go after. Amber, I, I think, is sticking to, to Jerry. I think either for out of friendship or as a shield, and I, I that's probably too much credit for season yeah. two, Amber kind of knows what she's doing, sticking and, and using Jerry to make the moves. Maybe. Maybe. I hope we learn some of that later, because we haven't learned it thus far. Got a good point. Uh, but there is a crack there. Colby wants to keep Keith. Mm -hmm. Colby sees the food and uh, is all bought in on keeping Keith. Which I do think is a little short-sighted. Now, if you want to keep Keith for other reasons, okay. Mm -hmm. You only have... It seems like they know when the merge is coming, because they say... In order for us to have even numbers at the merge, we cannot lose any more tribals. Mm -hmm. They're down two members. So that would mean... Or they're down... Oh, they're down one member. Um, at the time, yeah, they're, they're down one. Okay, so they probably... So they, they, there's probably two more immunity challenges then. That's six days. Mm -hmm. And you'd only be voting Keith off. You know, when you vote Keith off, Keith off it'll only be three days. Mm -hmm. If you want to keep him for strategy, fine. But I don't. I think you'll be fine for three days without him, especially because he's not the one catching the fish. You got a good point. And pretty much, I think anyone can cook it. Maybe not as well as him, but you can make it edible. I think, weirdly, we thought that the the cooking and the preparation wasn't a big deal, and that people were learning. But I think with how good it was, it is actually saving Keith's hide. Maybe. So good on Keith. He can cook. And that's his job. Vice versa, Jerry, Amber, and Mitchell are doing tribe math and they're thinking, is are we in danger? What do we do here? Like, yeah, and they're and they well they seem pretty calm about it because they're like, at worst it's three three. Yeah. They sense that Colby I don't think they you know, we only see what they what they show us in the edit. It didn't sound to me like they were actually concerned Colby was flipping, but they were no. just doing it as like a, like, hey, he's talking to Keith a lot. Yeah, they have the thought. Yeah. So Jerry, <laughs> Jerry and Colby go off on their own pig hunt. This is before the other team gets their pig, mm -hmm. but they go off on their own pig hunt, seeing that the fire might move things toward them. But really, this is just an excuse for Jerry to mack on Colby real hard. She wants him so bad. And, but she's smart. She's very smart. And mm -hmm. she's reading that, hey, he was flirting with me before. He's kind of pulling away now. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned. And yeah, she should be. Yep. And, and she's correct. Colby senses that she's concerned. And I actually think that pushes him away. He says that he's, you know, uh, that she's being, like it's confessional. So it's just to us. Mm -hmm. That she's being a little paranoid, that she's acting a little... She's uh, gaming so hard. Exactly. Yeah. If she chilled a little bit, I think it might have... I don't know if it would have changed it, but it might have. Yeah. And that's really the whole segment there is just Jerry Mackin on Colby. Colby's keeping a distance and Jerry realizing, oh, 
Oh no. Yeah, they have they have a cat and mouse for a little while. Like yeah. they kind of beat around the bush for a bit, and then Jerry kind of is like, "What's going on?" Yeah. Except and, for Jared pointing out uh, this lovely fact of why are his clothes so baggy? Why are his clothes so baggy? Jerry, come on, you were you were alive in the nineties. <sighs> that was fashion. Yeah. I mean, at least I think it's fashion. My parents just bought me clothes that were too big for me, thinking I was going to grow into them. Ha! Here's the thing. Ha ha ha. Colby's ripped. Oh, yeah. Colby's hot. Yeah. Why are you hiding yourself behind giant baggy clothing? That was the style, man. Man, what a terrible style. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, Alicia, also super ripped. I, I don't know if yes. I... Yes! I don't know if I had noticed that before. Like, yes, probably. But... This episode really just points out Alicia's abs. She's in some type, like either like a sports bra or some type yeah. of like thing that exposes her midriff, where Alicia she has got, like an eight pack. Got core, man. Good for you. She is. She's a beast. On other things that I, I noticed in this episode that I thought were weird, some luxury items that stuck out to me in the episode: a frisbee. That's what that was. Yes, yeah, I believe it was Nick was using a frisbee for cleaning or something. But also, while the tribes were laying in their camp, I think it was in Ogakor, or maybe it was in Kuja. There is a very visible Scrabble box. Ha! I didn't catch that. A full-on box of Scrabble. They haven't shown them use it yet, but I saw the box. They probably don't want to show things like that. It was there. But it was there. It was there. Very visible. <laughs> huh. What? Okay. That... How many times can you play Scrabble in a row before you just <laughs> lose it? I don't know. That's not the game that I would bring. No. What? Okay. Viable question. What, what, what game would you bring if you had to into Survivor? Oh, that's a really good question. I feel like like a ticket to ride or something that you can easily teach a group mm -hmm. that has strategy to it. Sure. But isn't but people can kind of like you can play when you're hungry, you can play when you're tired. You don't need to know a million rules or a million interactions. Like something that's pretty straightforward, but still complex enough to be fun. Okay, I would probably ride on the same line of straightforward, but still has complexities. But I would change it to a game that either everyone knows or has some idea of what it is. And I'm gonna go with a chessboard. Ooh, that could be fun. Yeah, enough that it, you can get good use out of it and like every game is different. So you're always uh, changing up your strategies. You're learning from each game, from each other. That's what I would go with. I, I have a weird memory in my brain of, oh, what's the game? There's a game with chips, almost like checkers, but there's a board with like uh, triangles. Backgammon? It might be backgammon. Does it have like the little divots for the... It sounds right. Backgammon it is. I, I have a very vivid memory of a backgammon board in Survivor. So someone has brought a backgammon board somewhere. Okay. Weird. Immunity challenge. It's a trivia challenge. While I look up what a backgammon board is, talk to me about this challenge. Yeah, so trivia challenge. Um, it seems like... So we have how many members on the tribe? One, two, three, four, five, six... Um, I think it was five individual spaces, and then the sixth one was the finish. It had to be enough for everyone. That's no, because somebody answers twice. Uh, Mitchell goes twice. Yes. 
because they're down numbers. So it had to be one for everyone. So Kucha has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people left. Yeah, so, so, oh, I see what so you're saying. So six spots in a, a seventh okay. win. Gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Either way, yeah, uh, trivia for them, or for all, for everyone. The questions, we didn't see all of them. It seems like they were pretty hard because they kept having to cycle through footage. Or yeah. Or like cut ahead. But this is the this is the trivia challenge that wasn't there in the first season. Yes, it they were all survival related questions, mm-hmm. and they seemed relevant to them, or at least mostly relevant to them. Some of them were a little a little more of a stretch. Yeah. What was the uh, the first one was like a, what what can you magnetize and use as a compass? It was like yeah. How do you, or what what material would you use to magnetize a needle to make your own compass. And it's silk. It was silk, which was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Cool. Probably, they're probably not going to use that out here, hopefully. No. Yeah, hopefully not. Oh, and then, like, the number Spiders. of flies increase oh, yeah. when Europeans uh, land on the continent, true or false. I'll give them credit. True or false questions are usually pretty easy. Yeah. Or at least you don't feel bad about getting that wrong. <laughs> 50-50 shot. It doesn't feel unfair. Now... <laughs> Of the 10 most deadly snakes in the world, how many of them are in Australia? Apparently nine. Nine of them. 90%. Yay. So oh. this this challenge is weird how they set it up. So you have to get an answer correct for your team. Mm-hmm. So when you get that answer correct, you just claim a spot. Yeah. That is your spot. Uh, and everyone has to claim a spot to win. They really favor challenges that will single someone out. Yes. Correct. They're like artificially singling people out in mm-hmm. these. Yeah. People who struggled in this one. Alicia really struggled. Mm-hmm. They really didn't show anyone else. They didn't really show anyone else struggle because they do such weird jump cuts. And they have this really weird dance party music to transition. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly jarring dance music that comes out of nowhere. Like you're, you're answering questions, you're sitting, you're watching... And then immediately, boom, picture of a waterfall. (laughs) It wasn't that, but still, it was very, like, heavy electronic techno. It was odd. It was out of place, and I was confused. But they get, it becomes a tie with only one, only the winner spot left to claim. Uh, Alicia versus Mitchell. Oh, I want to, Tina also struggled with this challenge. I wanted to single out someone. But yes, Tina gets her question. So then they have to pull someone from the first person who got it right, a question right, from Mm. Ogakor, so that they answer the same amount of questions. And it is Mitchell. So it's Mitchell versus Alicia. Yeah, and Jeff. (laughs) Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Uh, before he asked the question, he's like, Alicia, if you screw this up, you're really screwed, huh? Like, you yeah. didn't say that verbatim, obviously, but it's like, hey, you feel the pressure, Alicia? Yeah, it, it feels real out of place. It did. From Jeff. I, I didn't understand that. I mean, whatever. He's probably experimenting with how sassy he wants to get in the challenges. I do like sassy Jeff. I sassy like sassy Jeff, Jeff too. I was uh, okay with it. And we'll get more sassy Jeff in Tribal Council. But yeah, that last question was weird. Yeah, I didn't like this last question. It, w- it seemed a little too subjective for a survival question. It, it talked about where should you... Or what should you not do if you're trying to build a fire? Yes. Already incredibly broad. Yeah. One of the questions, and the, the, one of the answers and what Mitchell selects is don't 
make it by a rock slide. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. If rocks are sliding down a hill, you probably shouldn't build a fire there. That sounds like a correct answer to me. Yeah. Uh, what was the actual correct answer? Uh, was... The actual answer oh. was uh, surround it with, uh, have wet rocks on the outside. Like, to like of the perimeter. Which is also, again, yeah, okay, sounds correct, but... It's also, like, are damp rocks okay? Like, what do you mean by a wet rock, Jeff? It, it doesn't... We were doing so well with this trivia challenge, and then we blew it right at the end. It's not something... It wasn't like there was one that was so obviously wrong. No. Like, there was one where it's like, you know, pour buckets of water over it. That'd be too easy, obviously, but I couldn't think of a better example. It, it's just... It's so... It's... It's a bad question. It is a bad question, but... Alicia gets it right. Meaning Ogakor is going to tribal for the third time in a row. Yeah, so Kucha wins, Ogakor going to tribal. There's not really much in between. And actually, that challenge was right next to tribal. Yes, Jeff points and like, he's like, yeah, you're going to be right over there. Yeah, crazy. Oh, I did write down, Mad Dog would probably would have been good at this challenge. Yeah, Mad Dog would have. Damn. You know who also would have been good at this challenge? Who? Deb. That's true. Deb's good at this. Deb would have been the MVP at this challenge. Yep. <laughs> so we're at Tribal, and we go to Tribal because there's a lot that's going to happen at this Tribal. Yes. They're ticked off. Everyone's ticked off. Colby's ticked off that there's food. There's food out there, but it's not coming to them. He's mad that the other team got a pig. He's mad that they're losing. And he's mad that they're losing. And, and Jeff is antagonizing them uh-huh. because he says, and I quote, Kucha is kicking your ass. Yep. Wow, Jeff. Okay. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. You could have said it a little more tactful, but you're not wrong. We've unlocked Sassy Jeff. We've unlocked Sassy Jeff. Good on you, Sassy Jeff. We get into the vote, and it's a tie. So, but this is something that I, I don't know if you caught. Okay, go on. Tina writes down Mitchell's name. She's one of the votes that we see before mm-hmm. it's shown as a tie. And she writes, and she says, there was an, on the walk over here, there was a new scheme. Yes. And we'll talk about that. Yes. Post episode. I, yeah, I was going to say, I think I, I have a theory. Okay. Uh, oh, actually just go ahead and tell me your theory. So I think that Colby was refusing to vote Jerry and this was a compromise for them mm. that um, Colby was like, I can't do it. Like, you know, she's an, I have a, I have a close relationship with her. We have an alliance. It's not helpful for me. And Colby talks earlier, earlier in the episode about how uh, Mitchell and Amber are both in Jerry's pocket. Mm. And so I think that they then floated out the name on the walk over. Well, would you do Mitchell or would you do Amber? And he, and Colby ponders over and thinks, yeah, I'd probably get rid of Mitchell. I want to say you're not far off, but we'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah, there's a tie, meaning that the two people who had votes, Mitchell and uh, and Keith. Keith. Yeah, I, I don't know why I forget the name Keith. Mitchell and Keith have votes, so they don't get to vote. So they <laughs> Jeff asked them, all right, give your elevator pitch, give your spiel. Why should they keep you? And Keith gives kind of a weak one. Not Not like comparatively a good one but he's just he's just like i provide food and i will be strong for the challenges yeah honestly though if he's 
trying to compare himself against Mitchell, I think he had a, a good argument is that I guess whatever, he'll cook the food, doesn't matter. But Mitchell's falling apart. Yeah. And you should just you should keep me for tribe strength. I can do the challenges. I don't think Mitchell can anymore. And then we pan over to Mitchell. All right, Mitchell, your turn. No, no, no. Keith is right. You should keep Keith. I'm I'm my body can't do this anymore. This blew me away. <laughs> so, Mitchell, what the hell? He's been talking about how hard it is on his body, but like you're just giving up? I was really disappointed. It's it's incredibly disappointing. And he you're right. He has been talking and almost the last two episodes, it's he's been deteriorating into almost giving up. And he does. He looks very small. Yeah. Like he is a very tall man and he does not have much on his body to sustain himself. And I know that it's hard. But I just like I don't know, man. Like, you've done this for a week now? Is this 10 days? It'd be 10 days. <sighs> you can push through. Like, you've already... Yeah, I don't know. It just... It bugs me. And also, like, if you were gonna give up, like, you should give. You should have gone home three days ago and, mm-hmm. like, saved your tribe a vote. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he folds, and then they, the other four have to vote again. And you would think that the tribe would see that and say, okay, yeah, let's just fulfill his wishes. I thought Amber was going to. I thought Amber was too. Despite knowing nothing about Amber. I knew what happened, and I was like, yeah, maybe Amber will do it. Nope. Uh, All four of them vote the same way that they did to start. So we are in a deadlock. And this is our first deadlock of Survivor. Mm -hmm. And Jeff explains that the tie-breaking procedure at this point in the game is to vote out the person who has received the most votes so far. And Jeff asked them, how many votes have you had? Keith Keith, says zero. Keith is zero. And Mitchell has one. So stupid. A single vote. This is such a stupid way to do a tiebreaker. Correct. It is a bad tiebreaker. And probably why they don't keep it for very long, I imagine. They will work themselves into a corner... Well, because then, like, what happens if they both had had zero? Do they have a fallback plan? Is this where the rocks come from? Uh, like, <laughs> are they? What happens if they just lie? What well, I, I I thought Jeff knew how many, and was just asking them as like, a, hey, like, you know, say it. But if he was relying on them to tell the truth, then yeah, wait, what? <laughs> I was also surprised to hear that Keith had zero votes. Yeah, I, I'm looking up who voted for Mitchell. Well, Kel got all of the votes. Oh, that's funny. And Marilyn, uh, who who voted for who voted for Mitchell? So you remember in the last episode when the two people did not vote the it same? It was Keith. It was Keith. Keith voted for Mitchell two weeks in a row, thus putting the dagger into Mitchell. Whoa. Okay, that's kind of cool. Keith is playing some 40 chess here. Oh my god. Good on him. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a lot. So, yeah, Mitchell, Jerry, Amber all voted Keith. Tina, Keith, Colby all voted Mitchell. And in his closing remarks, Mitchell feels betrayed. Yeah. Do you have... by Colby. Yeah, and of... of... I get that. Like you, you have your friendship and you talk about that, 
but also you sold yourself out. I yeah. The only thing I can think is that we're being too harsh on him for what was a because he he says he's like wow you guys really put me on the spot here because. As far as he knew, it was between Keith and maybe Jerry, expecting it to be a 4-2. Mm-hmm. And suddenly his name's up. Yeah. Um, like, you know, maybe he's just bad with words and maybe he didn't want to go home. Maybe he was just like, yeah. Like, he, he you know, he started out the state with like a, yeah, with, with that logic, you should keep Keith. And he expected a but to come out of like, of himself, like, but here's what I can provide. And you know, got stumped, couldn't think of what the butt was, and just stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I know, he, he felt betrayed, and he was blindsided. He was. He absolutely was. Uh, would you consider this the first blindside of Survivor history? I think I would. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's... I don't think season one had any blindsides. It didn't really. I want to say there was one. There was a couple people who didn't realize they were on the chopping block. I I would consider this the first blindside because all of the ones where people felt blindsided in season one, it was a pretty it was a pretty unanimous vote. Just because they didn't know it was coming doesn't mean it was necessarily a blindside. Also, Nobody flip flopped to to change the game here. Yeah, I think that a blindside also requires like intent. And a lot of the times when people were surprised in season one, it was just people didn't like them very much. Yeah. And so they got rid of them, not like an alliance targeted them for a strategic reason. Yeah. Lots, just lots of interesting there. Uh, wh- how do you think Mitchell does in Survivor Today? Terrible. <laughs> he, he was led along. I mean, you know, the, even we're only four episodes in, but he was a goat to be herded anyway. He wasn't making any moves on his own. Yeah. Uh, he was just following Jerry. Maybe he would have eventually, but with the evidence in front of me, he he hadn't so far, and he had no inclination of... I mean, his his speech at Tribal was weak for himself. He literally conceded. Um, I, I mean, you know, maybe you can make an argument in a season that has, you know, nicer conditions. Maybe he holds up better. But, I don't know. The conditions haven't been that bad as far as food goes, which seems to be where he's really struggling. It They've actually been doing okay on food they were and it's not like you know in the new seasons where they're not even given rice like they've had some flour they've made tortillas they've caught fish they've had rice yeah i just don't really see him i kind i kind of see him as like a first boot pretty much any season i don't think ogakor is doing as well on food i think they are getting a little bit of wild food from the fish but they're clearly not doing as well as kucha is that's true um and Ogakor overall is, they're doing real bad. Yeah, they're falling apart here. Both uh, physically and mentally, the, ga- the game is on, and they're having to make tough decisions much, much earlier than Kucha is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who, uh, who's your protagonist? It's, uh, I'm going to give it to two of them because I think they worked in tandem very well. Okay. Uh, Keith and Tina, they, they shook up the vote. They shook up their tribe. They talked Colby into it. If I had to pick one of the two, it would be Keith. Okay. Um, because he's the one who seems to have really swayed Colby. Um, but I think it's pretty close and that, and the, you know, I don't really like Keith, but he played well. Yeah. I think he did a good job there. As far as post game. This is an interesting one. I, I, there's a good interview because of what happens here. He, Mitchell does lose 35 pounds on the show. So my read of... Jesus! Yeah, he was looking much, much smaller than he 
he was when he showed up. In 10 days? In, in not very long. He must have had like dysentery or something. Something must have happened to make this... You don't lose that much weight on water weight alone. No. Even still, like, you're getting water, so I don't know what's happening there. He must have had, like, a parasite or something. Yeah. Interesting interesting conversations in this article. One, he says that the hike to tribal council, how long would you guess that hike is? Like, 45 minutes? That's kind of what he's saying most people think. He said it was, like, three to four hours. Oh, my God. A hike to tribal council. That seems a little bit of an exaggeration, but still. It's not, yeah, it's not like they have their wa- a watch they can check. They talk about that walk to tribal. Usually, he, uh, they'll stop you. They'll do interviews with the, the camera crew, and he'll kind of shoot the shit with Colby. He sensed that something was wrong in that Colby didn't want to really shoot the shit with him. He... He didn't hang back like he usually does. That also makes me worried for Colby for the rest of the season and that now we've had two separate people that can read him so easily. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he he definitely wears his emotions and his thoughts on his sleeve. And Mitchell knew something was wrong. And they tell him that, yeah, I think we're going to vote out Amber tonight. So he gets the sense that, yes, okay, he's flipping on me. But... He doesn't feel like he's in jeopardy, mm-hmm. but clearly he is. So then he talks about in this interview that I'm reading here, it's a pretty great interview, that he goes second. He is the second vote. Colby is the first vote. And so Colby writes his vote, which is Mitchell, folds it up, puts it in the urn. Well, he puts it in the urn, the crease down. So so it's open. So it's open. So Mitchell reaches in to put his vote in and sees his name written by his friend. Oh my god. And goes back and starts crying on the on the bench knowing that he might be about to go home. So the mental collapse is probably aided by the fact that he knows what's about to happen. Yeah. So he feels betrayed, he feels hurt, and he feels that his friend is stabbing him in the back here. And he sees the whole thing coming for about oh three hours. God. So that's a really rough scenario for him. But post-game, Mitchell gets hit harder. Mitchell is gay. Okay. They... He chooses not to express that on national television because he he is from South Dakota. And you saw how Rich was, you know, the, yeah. some of the, how that became like the dominating thing about Rich that was the interest of all the media. Correct. Yeah. And that he sees this and he doesn't want that. Okay. Which makes total sense. Well, of course, the media is going to sniff this out and they outed him. Oh, fuck. On... Uh, what was it like a newspaper so he's shopping in new jersey for groceries and he sees his face on some gross tabloid saying mitchell from survivor is gay and essentially that's how the entire world finds out and not in his control and just uh, I feel so bad. Man. 
Yeah, at, at CBS tells you numerous times the press are going to call you gay, the fans are going to call you gay, David Letterman and Howard Stern are going to call you gay. And I thought, you know what, that's fine. I or, No, he says he wants to uh, kind of keep it down because he has family and friends and with their religious beliefs and they are not, he, he's not ready to be out sure. for them. And he sees his face on the National Enquirer and that's how everyone finds out. And so he calls his CBS rep, who they try to squash it, but they couldn't. Yeah. That so, sucks. Yeah. That's how your imagine that's how your family finds out. That sucks. That sucks, man. It absolutely sucks. Keeps in touch with a few people. I have a list of names that I'm not going to read because some haven't happened yet. Some ah. have. Uh, summer season one, which is really interesting. Hmm. I mean, I, from what I see, especially on Instagram, it's a really tight knit community. Yes. A lot of them live in New Jersey. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) He does not watch the current seasons of Survivor. Your folks do. My friends do. I know exactly what's going on, but in a weird way after living it, it's hard to watch. So I just catch the highlights. Okay. Yeah. And he does not like hidden immunity idols. Huh. He didn't play that way, so he'd cut that part. He doesn't need it. I, I didn't play that way, so no one should play that way. Mm-hmm. But he's married. He's living his best life. Uh, moved back to South Dakota with his husband. So. Oh, okay. Hmm. There you go. I'm assuming he doesn't return. No. Okay. No, this is the last time we see Mitchell. That makes sense. Yeah. Anything else? No, I don't think so. Don't out people that don't want to be outed. <laughs> Oh, uh, I mean, not like, again, anytime when you're telling bad people not to do bad things or, you know, people that aren't going to listen to you to do like the tabloids that don't fucking care. They threw out their morals a long time ago. Um, this is not the last time we're going to have this conversation on Survivor. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Horrible people. Making money Making for money. reporting things and giving people drama. Bumper. So that'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Thank you. We we got on a pedestal a lot during that episode, but it's needed. It absolutely is needed. I will die on every hill and I will preach on every pedestal. Jared is absolutely telling the truth on this. He will. Jokes aside, like, yeah, I, I can sometimes get preachy. I, like, it's just not that hard to be kind. Not nice. I don't, I don't care about being nice per se but be kind it's not it's not that yeah hard be kind please rewind i hate you this is the early 2000s that's a thing it's true that's true yeah blockbuster's still like it's wildly successful i didn't have a blockbuster hmm. it didn't exist where i was it's okay family video was better i didn't even have a family video well it was a small mom and pop shop huh that might not be true there was definitely a porn section. Ah, uh, anything you want to plug, Stephen? <laughs> uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be out for a little bit. So if you're sending emails, if you're sending tweets at us, uh, you're not going to hear us respond to those until episode five. Yeah. Uh, so just so you're aware, I probably should have said this in the last episode, but no I didn't. Well. Oh well. Things that I want to plug: sleep. Definitely sleep. Getting a little tired. Yeah. 
have to scan the entirety of Midsummer Night's Dream before I leave your apartment. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, well that'll be fun. Yeah, get, get some sleep. Hop on an airplane at 7 in the morning. Uh... <laughs> Anything you want to plug, Jared? Yeah, I'd like to plug not booking flights at 7 in the morning. Oh, I like my flights in the morning. That's because you're a dad. That's fair. <laughs> uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Survivor Turning My Time podcast. I am your dad, telling you, eat your vegetables, get the correct amount of sleep that it's supposed to be for you, which everyone tells me a different time, so just so you feel good. And drink, drink lots of water, plenty of water. For my co-host Jared, this is Steven. For my dad Steven, this is Jared. Bye-bye. Bye. Sean?